Hi, welcome to Healthify with Kamal, your weekly dose of hope, health, and happiness. I'm your host, Kamal, a certified holistic health coach, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you another episode packed with insightful and inspiring content. Today's episode is extra special as I'm joined by a very special guest, my daughter, Reed. Reed is 20 years old and she's a recent college graduate who has a unique experience growing up with a mother, yours truly, who's been living with ulcerative colitis for many years. In this episode, Reed shares with us her experience, her perspective on what it was like growing up with a mother who has chronic illness and how this experience has shaped her views on health and wellness. We'll be discussing the challenges along with any message that she has um, for families, especially children when a loved one has chronic illness, and also exploring strategies and um, other tips for maintaining a positive and healthy outlook in the face of adversity. So whether you're a parent with chronic illness or simply interested in learning more about the impact of chronic illness on families, you won't want to miss this episode. Get ready to healthify your life with me. One, two, three, four. Thank you for being with us here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to share my experience. Yeah, um, I just want to add that it's very important for me to be doing this episode because we often discuss about experiences of adult family members. But uh, we don't really talk about how it affects our children when it comes to chronic diseases. And, okay, so let's dive right into the topic. So growing up with a mother who has ulcerative colitis, yours truly, uh, must have been quite a unique experience. Can you share with our listeners how this affected your mental health as a young child? Um, so when I was younger, I would say around four or five, that's when I started to go to preschool. I really didn't know much about what was going on because that's all I've seen growing up because you got it when I was six months old. So it was very weird and strange to me. I knew something was wrong, but I really didn't comprehend it because of how young I was. But as I got older, I would say like six seven even up to like 10 I really started to realize what was going on uh and that really almost traumatized me you could say because I remember there was an incident where after dinner everybody was downstairs and you were upstairs because it was one of your flare-up sessions and you were trying to go to the bathroom and you ended up falling down because of how much pain you were in and I remember you calling for your mom, my nanny, to help you go to the bathroom, and I heard you first. So I came running up the stairs, and I would say that was my first encounter of seeing you in that state, and that traumatized me as a child to know that, okay, something serious is going on. Right. Okay. 
So then as a teenager, when you were a teenager, I had to go through a lot of surgeries related to my condition. So how did you deal with those experiences and were there any particular challenges you faced during that time period? Uh, so I would say you had five surgeries. So there were two significant ones that I really right. had a hard time dealing with, which was the second one and the last one. So I'll start with the second one. Yeah, the two major ones. So with the second one, that was the one where you were getting your rectum removed. It was supposed to be a short surgery, like five to six hours, ended up going up to being 14 hours long. And because I was a senior at high school at the time, um, supposed to be a really exciting time for me, even though it was, but there was a sense of fear in my mind all the time, just because it was like right at the cusp of me ending my senior year. So on the day of you getting your second surgery, me, my brother, and your mom laying on me went in a bit later because obviously me and my brother had school to do. So we went in thinking that it was going to be just an hour until after you will be done with your surgery. We get to see you. But then things took a sudden change. Uh, for the worse, not for the better. And we ended up getting a phone call saying, oh, there's this important decision that you have to make like right now. Because if you don't, there's chances that she could die. And during that time period, because obviously it was an unexpected phone call, how, what was going through your mind at that time? Uh, when the phone call came, it came to my nanny. So my dad met, uh, called my nanny. Because the doctor had called my dad. So Nani is your grandma for people who don't Yeah, know. my grandma. Yeah, my maternal grandma. Um, so I could hear what the conversation that they were having because I was sitting right next to her. And I could hear like little bits and pieces like, oh, there's a decision that we have to make and it's up to us. Uh, this is what it is. What do you think that uh, you would want as in mom would want? And uh, I just remember being very scared and like, okay, what is happening now? Because I came in with so much joy thinking that, oh, you'll be done and you'll be fine. But then it was very hard for me to process. It took me, I would say, like a long time for me to process what was actually going on. Uh, I was in like, okay, like solution mode, like we need to fix this. So once um, the doctor came out, I was like the first one, like pouncing on her, basically asking her all of these questions of like, is she okay? What is happening? Um, is there anything that we can do to make this better? Things like that. So I was in like warrior mode at the time, but I would say like it took a mental toll on me after the surgery when, um, I was really taking care of you like a mother. That really played a toll on me because mentally that was very, exhausting having to repeat that cycle day in and day out because as you know you had like 10 leaks at one point in a day yeah, yeah. and me being like I was like 15 or 16 at the time so me being that young dealing with these many issues and also graduating high school there's a lot of factors that come into play here so yeah. 
I was very confused as a teenager of what to do or expect with that surgery. Yeah, in a way, I think it it was much easier on me during these surgeries because I was out, you know, under the yeah. anesthesia. I was I was out, um, and I think the waiting game that you had to or the whole family had to go through actually does take a um toll a mental toll on everybody and the person going through the surgeries in in this case me it's much easier during that time because you're out um the yeah. mental health part comes in during either before the surgery or in the recovery process for the patient um but I can uh, definitely imagine how hard it must have been for you um, as a teenager because you're already so much turbulence going on in your um, yeah. body, in your mind. And then to add this into it is not, yeah, it's not easy, definitely. Yeah. And then with the with the fifth surgery, it was basically a similar scenario. Um, except that was during COVID and that was my freshman year of college. So again, it's at a very like turning point of my life, especially with COVID. Nobody knew what to expect. So obviously your surgery was canceled initially. Yeah. Then they rescheduled it in May. And that one, I feel like played a bigger emotional, emotional and mental toll on me because I felt like one, we couldn't see you. Two, like you were not really in the state to talk to us. So that also played a mental toll on me and I feel like also on you. And then when you came back home, I feel like there was a sense of uh, detachment between us, especially from my side, just because I didn't want to have to go through all of that mentally all over again, like I did with the second, because it took me a lot of time after. Yeah, so it was basically your way of coping with uh, everything that was going on, including COVID, just the uncertainty of the situation, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay. So uh, one common aspect of living with ulcerative colitis is the possibility of an ostomy. Um, and in my case, it's an ileostomy. It's a surgical procedure that creates an opening in your stomach for um, waste elimination. So how did you handle this as a teenager, both emotionally and practically? I would say um, practically, I feel like I handled it pretty well, just because you are the type of parent that tells me and my brother everything that goes on. Um so when you got the phone call saying that this is the only option, this is the only route you can go, I remember you sat me and my brother down to tell us, like, this is what is going to happen. This is what an ostomy is. Um, there's nothing to be scared about. It's for the better. And that gave me peace, you could say, because I knew what was going to happen. And then I myself take a lot of knowledge. Like, I research researched on what an ostomy is things that you have to do and that really helped me practically but emotionally it was a whole different story like I had very mixed feelings and emotions you could say 
like I was very happy that you were going to get better and this Austin me is like the light at the end of the tunnel but I was also very scared because I was like what if despite the ostomy you're still in pain and you are still going through all of these symptoms that you are right now so I feel like emotionally it took me a bit of time to actually process what was happening but I feel like once I saw you in that state it really like clicked to me I'm like okay this is for the better she's gonna be fine as long as she has her support system by her side and as long as her support system doesn't break down where we're good it, it'll be okay yeah and also like speaking practically about the ileostomy i know it was something very foreign and new to all of us including myself um even though i was the one with ulcerative colitis for all these years i had never really even actually heard of ostomy until i was faced with it at the end you know like when yeah. um the doctors were saying no more medications are working on you nothing else can help um surgery is the only way and that's when i was like okay there is something called ileostomy how does it work so i had to educate myself at that time and then i remember um during the first surgery even um you were very hands on in helping me kind of get used to it all um and then in second surgery that was a full on adventure for yeah for all of us but specifically you and me i think right so yeah. the, um the th <laughs> the 3 a.m leaks um yeah you know yeah where we had to be like we were just finished changing the bag and cleaning me all up and kind of uh, getting ready to sleep and it would start leaking all over again and that was partly yeah. because um in the process of getting a permanent ileostomy you have to go through different steps and at that step we had a loop ileostomy which is basically when they pull out uh the middle part of your small intestine um and it's curved a little bit so for some yeah. people, it takes a lot of time to get used to it. And I'm just grateful that I had you, um, my best friend, my daughter, to kind of, you know, get me through that. And yeah. I think a lot of people don't give credit to children um, as much as they deserve, partly because we just think that, oh, they're just so small, they won't be able to. But I know that in our case, even with your brother, um, I've always made sure that I don't treat you like just, you know, little kids or children. I treat you like little people, for lack of a better word. Yeah. You are yeah. you are a person, you're a human being. So if given the right kind of uh, knowledge and education, um, children can be very helpful in all of it. Yeah, I agree. I just, uh, I feel like. Okay, so um, chronic in illnesses sometimes create a sense of uncertainty and unpredictability. So how did you manage your anxiety and stress um, that came from me having UC? 
Um, so I think the younger me didn't handle it well because I didn't really know what anxiety and stress was at the time. Also because that was quote unquote my normal, you could say. So I didn't know anything different. But when I got older, I would say around like 13 years old, I started to express myself a lot more how I felt about the whole situation, especially especially to you. Um, there would be times where I would be very anxious or stressed about something and like talking about it with you would just like calm my nerves down and I would be like ready to conquer that thing. So I feel like expressing my feelings to you really helped manage my anxiety and stress. And then also I would journal a lot. I mean, I don't as much anymore, which I should get back into, but journaling really helped me because sometimes there were things that I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to burden you with my feelings. So I would write it down on a piece of paper and that would just really, I would just like vomit all my feelings out and it would make me feel better. But there are also times where like crying in the bathroom is the only thing that really helps, right? Like cry it out. And again, I didn't want to let you know about that, but somehow you would find out. Yeah, so um, to give our listener a better understanding of a child's mindset, um, can you go back to when, how far back do you remember? I mean, I would say like preschool, so maybe like when I was four or five. Yeah, so um, can you put into words like the feelings of uh, a five-year-old, a preschool-going child who has seen um her mother you know in pain or with a chronic illness whatever understanding you had at that time i mean i would say i didn't have much of an understanding because i thought that every mother goes through all of this just because like i said that's all i've seen growing up um but i do remember like when it whenever we would go out to like eat lunch or dinner or like go shopping or even like a family event we you would be the first one trying to find where the bathroom was and if you couldn't find it you would ask me or even my dad to ask where the bathroom is so that way you know where to go in case of an emergency so I thought that was very strange to me uh as a five-year-old like your mom is asking the first thing where is the bathroom I was like, okay, something is going on, but I really didn't know what. So you would say like a five-year-old really didn't pay attention to these type of things, which I did. I was in my own little bubble, you could say, like play with paint and toys and things like that. Yeah. So it was just normal because this is what you were somewhat born into. Um, yeah. And then like, when exactly would you say you started to become more aware that no, this is something serious, and then also um, start having any sort of like anxiety concerning all of this. Um, so I would say when I became more aware of it was when I was like six, seven ish. But when I started getting anxiety about it, I would say is when I was in my tween, almost teen years. So I would say like. 12 is because that's when I like was like completely aware of what was 
going on just because yeah and that's when my anxiety really started to kick in and I feel like my anxiety like I would show it in different ways like um I would just like spaz to anybody especially my younger brother I would just like spaz at him or like I wouldn't pay attention to school and the anxiety would come out through that so I was having school issues or there were times even during that time when I was really detached when I was not attached to you as much so I feel like that was also part of the anxiety right so do you feel that um, it really affected your not just your behavior but also the development of your personality yeah completely like I see like if I had expressed how I felt a lot more earlier on, like when I had started having these feelings, I would be a completely different person today because I feel like today I, you could say I still hold on to some of like, I still have some baggage related to all of that stuff that I haven't really dealt with that maybe I don't want to deal with. So I feel like if I had dealt with it at that time, it would have been a lot better. Right. Did you ever feel isolated or different from your peers because of my illness? And how did you navigate those feelings? Um, so I would say in high school, not as much because I did online schooling for most of my school life up until high school. Um, so I really never made any friends like that. Um, but I was still able to socialize with everybody. So I feel like I was still able to do that, but I feel like the isolation part of it really began when I started college, especially my freshman year. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but like one month into the quarter, I had this very deep conversation with you about how lonely and isolated I was feeling because everywhere I would go, all I would see were like people making friends and, you know, people being in groups and laughing about things. And that was something that I really wanted. And I feel like that really isolated me as a person and really took a mental toll on me because that's all I could think about at the time because it was like, I didn't want people to pity me and be friends with me when I told them like, this is what is happening in my life. Because as you know, I'm, I'm, you could say almost a private person. Like I don't tell everybody everything the first time I meet them. So it takes me a bit of time to really open up about the type of person I am. So I feel like that kind of led to the isolation that I had. But I feel like it didn't really, like, once I found out what was actually happening with me and I was actually feeling very lonely and isolated, I kind of combated that with, you know, becoming really close friends with you and really making our relationship better. And that really helped me get rid of that isolation and loneliness and really helped me focus my ultimate goal, which was to be really good in college and get into dental school. Yeah, and also I'd like to make clear here that both you and your brother were um, in online schooling all through school, except for early years when uh, you were in a private school, not because of my illness but because you and your brother both are very 
advanced students since you were young. Uh, you yeah. both uh, scored very high in your cognitive testing. So your father and I early on made the decision that online schooling was a better fit for you guys. Yeah. And as far as like, uh, I just wanted to mention that to like any young listeners that are listening to this, that don't get caught up into making friends if you are a college student. Just let it flow. Don't think about it because later on, I would say in my third year, I met somebody that actually understood the type of person that I was. So I feel like leave it out to destiny and state, you could say. Don't really think about it. They won't come to you otherwise. Yeah. Okay. So um, as a young child, did you have to take on any additional responsibilities or roles within the family due to my illness? I would say yes. Uh, primarily, I feel like that was with you and my uh, brother. Because when you would have those flare-ups, like major flare-ups, where you would basically be bedridden, like you couldn't really do anything, I felt like I had to take on that mother's role for my brother to make sure that he's doing everything right, he's eating properly, you know, doing his schoolwork. Like, I felt like that was a responsibility that I had to take on, even though nobody told me to take on this responsibility because we had other adults in the family. It was just something that I felt as an elder sister that I had to fulfill and do. And even with you, like, I felt like I had to mother you. And I feel like I sometimes still do do that, like mothering you in the sense of like taking care of you and, you know, making you food, helping you go to the bathroom, things like that. Right. So does that um, also help with your mental health? Like when you're my caretaker, I mean, I definitely appreciate it. And it's, sometimes it's actually much needed as well. But how does that affect your mental health? I feel like it's almost like a good distraction, you could say. Uh, it obviously does help my mental health because your mind is busy and you're not always just thinking about uh, the bad things that are happening to you in life. Obviously, there are some like joyous moments that we've had despite you being so sick. Like when you would be bedridden, like there are times where I would lay right next to you and we would like be laughing like crazy to the point where there's tears coming out of our eyes. So, I mean, that definitely helps your mental health, I feel like, and also mine at the same time. Yeah. So did you ever find it challenging to communicate or express your feelings about my illness to others like um, your friends or your teachers at school or professors or even like distant relatives, you know? anybody i mean i feel like what i'm gonna say is really controversial but for distant relatives i really don't care because distant relatives are going to be having their own opinions they're going to be making up stories about what is going on like a little gossip thing that goes on so i never really cared about what distant relatives thought about me about you in general just because of how society makes them to be but as far as friends i i did feel uh like it was a challenge because i remember one time when 
the fifth surgery when during COVID, we were online, we were meeting on Zoom, and it was the day of the surgery. And I told my friends that my mom's in surgery today and I'm really scared. And I like expressed how I was feeling and they completely ignored what I was saying. So that made me feel like, okay, maybe I shouldn't or maybe I shouldn't have told them, like, I can't trust them with this information. Also, because I feel like when they were there or when I tell anything like this to anybody, I don't want them to pity me and be nice to me because, oh, you have a mom with a chronic illness. Let me be your friend. That type of a thing. I never wanted any of that just because then that's not a true friendship or that's not a true peer or the professor will uh, treat you in a very biased way. So in these four years, I've never told a professor what is going on in my personal life regarding you because that's just biasness that they're showing towards the student. And then other students are like, oh, why is she being treated like this? Yeah. And also, I think like uh, that's just the person I am also. Um, I've had this illness now for 21 years almost yeah 21 years and um it's just a part of my life it's just one more thing to me um life goes on right and that's how I tried to teach you and your brother as well about you know that it's just one more thing that's added to our plate or our life um that doesn't make us (laughs) extra special and uh, the worst thing anybody can do is have pity. Um, and that means you also having pity on yourself. Oh, my God, like playing the victim in that way. Uh, because that way it becomes very hard to deal with an already hard situation. You know? Yeah. Which I feel like I did pity myself at times yeah. because of everything that was going on. Like I would say, like, like you know how very dramatic but like sitting in the bathroom looking at the window and be like oh god why is this happening to me type of a situation I would do that a lot during the early years but I slowly began to realize it's just a part of so at any time um did you blame yourself for me being sick or whatever at that moment was going on uh not just during your teenage years but also like even early on you know um, say when you were like seven, eight, nine, ten, like all um any time, did you blame yourself thinking maybe I'm the reason this happened? Yeah, I feel like there was a phase in my life, even earlier on when I did blame myself because um you got it six months after I was born. So I was like, oh this happened because I came. Like, what if I had never come? Then you would have never been like this. There would be times where I would cry because of that. Like, this is because of me. That's also why I feel like I felt a sense of responsibility towards you and everybody else because I felt like, oh, it's a mistake that happened because of me. So if I do something, the mistake will be fixed. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And I feel like a lot of, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I feel like a lot of kids that go through something like this or are in my position feel like they 
it's happening because of them, which I feel like is wrong. Okay. So how did my condition affect your family dynamics and other relationships in the family? Did you have to make any changes or adjustments? Um, I feel like it affected our family dynamics a lot. Um, so as far as like my relationship with my dad goes, I feel like I became very distant with him because he himself was mentally and emotionally dealing with what was happening to his partner. And I was dealing with what was happening to my mother. So I feel like that created a lot of distance between us. Um, and me and my brother became really close because mentally we were dealing with the same issues. Like the fear of losing your mother or the fear of seeing your mother in pain 24-7. Those type of things I feel like really um, impacted both of our mental health. So we would really we were really close and are still close and we would talk about these type of things because it was easier to express. But um, when I was younger, I remember my dad having to take us on field trips when we were in a brick and mortar school, having to take me on field trips because you weren't well and you couldn't come along. So I feel like he would fill in those spaces and those gaps where you weren't able able to because of your health basically and as far as uh go ahead yeah so i I was gonna ask on these field trips because mostly you would see other moms you know with the kids and then there was you with your dad um how did that make you feel i mean it made me feel really bad i i wouldn't lie if i was saying i was sad to be the only one there with my dad there and everybody else there's uh, everybody else there was with their mom but I also looked at it at the brighter side thinking that okay I get to spend time with my dad and I'm the only one here with my dad so that makes me a bit special I would look at it that way but obviously a five-year-old really doesn't understand so I was like why is this like why can't mom come that's the question I would all ask always ask dad when he was here i'm like why are you here why is it mom here like a five-year-old really doesn't understand what is going on also there's the other side i mean like you're saying you can feel really good also because your dad is taking the opportunity even though like the situation demands um it you know um circumstance needed but yeah your father was full of pride that I get to go with my daughter on these field trips. You know, not once did he feel, oh, my God, I'm having to fill in for um, the mom, you know, your mom. He was just happy. He was like, OK, this is my job. I'm going to do it and I'm going to enjoy it. And I know he enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that is true. Yeah. So. How has your relationship evolved with me, your mom, over the years as uh, both of us have had to navigate ulcerative colitis and then uh, now ileostomy along with another big hurricane that came, surgical menopause? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like when I was younger, I feel like you would agree I wasn't that close to you. 
just because of your health situation. I was more close to your mom, my grandma. Um, but I feel like as I became more aware of the situation and as I started to come of age, I started to become really close to you. I feel like the moment where we were uh, besties, you could say, was yeah. when I turned 13 and I was in that very turbulent age where there's a lot of things happening to me physically, mentally, emotionally, and I needed you by my side and you needed me by your side. So we would um, confide in each other and really look forward to talking to each other. And I feel like that really made us really close. Also, the surgeries have made us even more closer because we have so many like key moments in during that time that we can look back on and be like, okay, yeah, that was the good proud moment. So are there any like key moments or milestones that stand out to you? I mean, the first one being that you were just a month or even two months out of your second surgery and it was my graduation and you were acting like nothing even ever happened for my high school graduation. You were dancing, jumping up and down as much as you were allowed to and um, having fun, taking pictures. And that really showed me like the amount of effort that you put in as a mom to really be there for your child. And I feel like there were most likely instances where I have done the same. I'm not sure, but I have tried. I don't know what you think. Oh, more than your fair share. Uh, there have been many, many incidents. And as a mom, I feel even if I didn't have a chronic illness, the kind of child you are, I'm very blessed. I'm very blessed. Yeah. I mean, even now, like four years, uh, even now, like four years later, with my college graduation, you're acting just the exact same. So I see no difference. Yeah. No, because I, I'm like, I, I don't know if other parents or other moms do this, but like uh, I have had these experiences myself, you know, with uh, my graduations going through university and all of that. But I just feel lucky and happy and blessed to be experiencing it all over again through my children, through you and your brother. So yeah. uh, why not? You know, um, it's also an achievement for a parent when their child is um, graduating. So I plan on enjoying every minute of it. Yeah. So, okay. So looking back on your experiences, what advice would you give to other young individuals who are growing up with a parent or a loved one with a chronic illness, specifically um, an autoimmune condition? I feel like the biggest advice I would give to anybody would be to actually express yourself and your feelings to the person that is going through it and actually tell them how you're feeling because it's also helpful I feel like for them to realize that okay everything isn't okay and they are also going through something with me uh, and I feel like showing empathy not just sympathy is a very big thing because anybody can show sympathy like your distant aunt could show 
empathy on you. But empathy is a very big component, especially towards the person that is going through all of the pain. It just makes them feel better. And I feel like you would agree with this, that when somebody like shows pity towards you that like, oh my God, what are you, what are you doing? What is happening to you? It's, yeah, it's the worst thing. So I feel like showing empathy to them and expressing yourself to them is the biggest thing because they can be your support system while you're being their support system. And you can really connect in, on that level. And like I said earlier, not to really blame yourself for what is happening. Yeah. So I'd also like to add some things to that from a mother's perspective. And that is, um, we as women and mothers make sure that you know, we are um, empowering our children by uh, working, by standing up for ourselves and all that good stuff. But at the same time, when uh, chronic illness is involved, a mother is, or even a father for that matter, you know, a parent is struggling with uh, autoimmune condition, a chronic condition. It is very important to show your children, teach your children to be advocates of their own health. And the best way you can do that is by doing that for your own self. Because I made sure that I started to learn about my condition, what was happening to my body. You know, I took it upon myself to understand what exactly is ulcerative colitis and uh, what are my options, how I can handle it, uh, what food's going to help me, uh, and what food is going to hurt me. So because there is a lot of adjustment that goes about it. Um, and then also um, things like, you know, when you're traveling uh, or any such family event, you have to take care of your kids. And then also at the same time, you have to make adjustments for your own self. Like in my case, like you mentioned, uh, we would just go out simple shopping or lunch, dinner, whatever. Um, I would go to a restaurant. The first thing is not where will I be seated. The first thing is where is the restroom? You yeah. Uh, so those sort of things. You don't want your kids to be like, why this is happening? This is weird. You want to educate your children. Please give your kids that credit that they are smart enough to understand. Yes, everybody's circumstances are different. Every family is different. Every child is different. Every mother is different, definitely. But don't underestimate the power of your child. Um, after all, they're your kids. They're most definitely going to understand. It may take a little bit of time. Um, and you need to give age-appropriate explanations because I remember when you were five, six, seven, I would tell you what is happening to me. Like, obviously, I'm not uh, at that time telling you, you know, big scientific terms, uh, not even ulcerative colitis for that matter. Um, at that time, it was just UC or colitis and saying that, you know, mom's stomach hurts, um, she gets cramps, or like, this is happening, that's why she has to keep running to the bathroom, uh, that sort of thing. And so she has to go to the doctors a lot. 
Because at five and six, that's all a child can understand. And you don't want to scare the child. You want to make them understand and know that mom's going to be okay or dad's going to be okay. Do you agree? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I feel like keeping them in the light is really important because it helps the child themselves, like, get rid of all the confusion that is going on in their mind. Yeah. And also, like, you handled it slightly different than your brother. I mean, your brother was far more anxious. He was far more apprehensive in certain situations, not even just, you know, the surgeries. I'm not talking about that even before or after that, like when I would get severe flare ups and be in bed for a couple of days because I was just fully drained had no energy. At that time, too, he got a bit anxious, like, what is happening to my mom? So I made sure that he knows it's okay. And we would spend ample amount of time, you know, just being together. I mean, I may not be able to take him out, play sports and do all of that at that time, but I sure as hell can spend time with him watching his favorite film or, you know, playing his game or doing something together. Yeah. So, yeah, every little bit helps, I think. You know? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, I uh, how has this journey with my illness shaped your perspective on health and wellness? I feel like I've learned that health is very important and precious to yourself especially to me after seeing everything that you've gone through uh i feel like i value and i'm grateful for the health that i have and me being healthy not just physically but emotionally and mentally because those are just as equal components of wellness um so i feel like i i like um took more preventative measure measures on making sure that my health stays good the entire time and I know that you also have pushed me to take care of my health like I would say even today you're like you don't want to end up like me not in a pitiful way but you would be like this can easily be you you don't want this um take care of your health take your supplements eat your green vegetables, you know, drink lots of water. So I try to do that as much as I can. And I will continue to keep doing that. And I feel like that's the biggest lesson that I've learned is that knowledge is key. And you need to really know what you are doing. So are there any other lessons or insights you've gained that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I feel like the biggest lesson I've learned because I have done this myself is to be less judgmental about the person that is going through all of this. Um, just because you don't know what is going on. Like, I know that there have been some instances where people have judged you for how much weight you have put on and thought that, oh, she gained weight because she eats a lot. But the weight is like the side effects of all the medications and the disease that you have, not because you were eating so much. You were actually not eating at all during those times. Um, so I feel like just being less 
judgmental towards the person, whether it be friends, family, or even being judgmental towards yourself for the way you're acting with them. Um, I feel like it's the biggest lesson that I've learned. And again, being em- empathetic towards that person is key. Yeah. So overall, what's the one big thing that you want to say to a child right now who's going through a similar situation as you, you know, um, how best to deal with it, like, in that way? Uh, I feel like the first thing that the child should do is to really um, sit down and really think about how they actually feel, because this is a process that I did. I really sat down and I thought about how I felt and I re and to come to the realization that this is not happening because of you. Um, you are not the reason for this. Uh, and to really be there for your parent or your relative or your friend or whoever is going through all of this to really be there for them because it will help you in return. So I feel like just be supportive of the person. Everything will be okay. You, the person that is going through this will be completely fine. You just need to not let go of hope. Because hope is the biggest thing in all of this. I agree. Well, thank you, Reed, so much for opening up and sharing your experiences with us today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. I'd like to thank Reed again for sharing her experience with us today. I'm sure her insights will undoubtedly inspire and resonate with you. And to all our incredible listeners out there, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Healthify with Gummel. Remember, no matter the challenges we face, there's always hope, health, and happiness to be found. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or your favorite podcast platform. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure to subscribe and leave a comment. I love hearing feedback on how we can make this better. I would greatly appreciate it if you could take the time to leave a review on Spotify. Your feedback helps me improve and reach more people who can benefit from these discussions. Together, let's continue our journey of health and well-being and finding joy in life. Until next time, take care. I will see you in another episode of Healthify with Gummel. Hi there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder that the information provided on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only. The content on this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any medical condition. You should always seek the advice of a doctor or a qualified medical professional with any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment.